in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. This is God's word for us today. Father, would you give us the light that we need even to see clearly what you have said about Jesus today. Certainly not all of it. Uh, the, the, the time it would take to unpack what was just read is, is hard to even imagine. And yet, even as we look at just this little piece of that passage, that in Christ was life and the life was the light of men, God, would you help us to see how the light of Christ's life truly does give meaning and purpose to ours. Would you help us to celebrate this Christmas with, with that meaning in mind? Would it be changed by it? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the, okay, at the 1893 World's Fair, there was an unforgettable attraction uh, for many, many years, the World's Fair was an international event where many different nations came together to showcase their greatest achievements, typically in the areas of science, technologies, and any kind of innovation. But that year in particular, 1893, not far from us either, either right down the street here in Chicago, uh, was arguably the greatest reveal of a new technology, certainly in the history of this fair, maybe even in the history of the world. It's certainly in the top five or so, at the very least. President Grover Cleveland at the time was there to preside over this big reveal, and he did that by pushing one button. The president pushed one button, and when he pushed that button, 
It lit 1,000 incandescent light bulbs throughout the grounds and particularly in and around the electrical building there on site. And this, at the time, was the largest event ever to be lit and powered by electricity. I have a picture for us here that you could see this incredible scene and, and the light coming off that night there. But I want us to just consider something that I found really profound as I considered this this week. That before this, every city, every street, most homes were all lit by gas and flame. I mean, much like the lights we've been lighting, the candles, each uh, service for this Advent. Now, can you imagine how that would change our life, particularly these days when it's going to be pitch dark, like four o'clock by the time we leave today? As modern people, we tend to take light for granted in ways that previous generations simply couldn't. Because the truth is, for us, nearly every day of our life, we can effortlessly just flip a switch at any time, and without fail, there will be light. If the electricity even goes out, we have our phones. We can turn a phone on. We can kind of see around. There's even a little feature. You can hit a button. There's a light at the end, at the back of that. If the phone dies, we probably have a couple dollar battery-powered flashlight that's sitting in the kitchen drawer that we got at Walgreens and we never use. Light is not hard for us to come by. We look at a picture like this and we think, so what, right? Well, have you guys, I mean, have you seen Von Mar, right, in, in Brook? I mean, they have kind of the same thing, all the light bulbs, right? It's just, it's in Brookfield. But imagine living in a world where the only source of light was either out there in the cosmos or uh, it was something that you had to make with fire. Now just consider, how might that change the way you read a sentence like this one? That in Christ was life and the life was the light of men. To celebrate Christ's birth today, we're going to look at this prologue of John's gospel. As, as Greg mentioned, it is one of the most rich and theological explanations of who Jesus is and what his birth really means. Unlike Matthew and Luke, John does not begin his gospel with the story of Christ's birth even. He begins with this collection of incredible truth claims about who Jesus is and what his birth means. This prologue, I will say, it's so rich, it's so complex I kind of tremble at the thought of preaching the entire thing one day. Uh, all that could be said about this, it would, it's just not possible. Even this sentence, all that could be said, it's really going to be hard for us today. But we're going to focus just on this one line. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. See, in this case, the words that John is actually using are not particularly hard to understand. Uh, he is saying that Christ's life is the light of our life. And yet, as clear as the words themselves may be, it's hard to kind of read that or hear that without thinking, what in the world does that even mean? And so that's what we're going to consider today. What does it mean that Jesus' life is the light of ours? And to do that, what I want to do is just to consider what all of the Bible even has to say about light. Light. So interestingly enough, we don't have to read very far into the Bible to come across this theme of light. In just the second verse in the entire Bible, right after we read that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right then he says next that darkness 
was over the face of the deep. In other words, no light. And then God's first actual act of creation is to say, let there be light. And then the author tells us, there was light. And the author tells us um, a lot more throughout this passage about light. But there is something very, very curious about this creation narrative. If you read it carefully. At first glance, at least in these first four verses, it seems like God is simply creating physical light. Uh, and the author even tells us he separated the light from the darkness on that first day. And he said, let uh, the light be day. And the, he called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning. It says the first day. So it seems simple. This is the first day, which is bright. And the first night, which is dark, case closed. But then as we keep reading, it is not until the fourth day of creation that God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And the author even tells us on that fourth day, he created these great lights to separate, it says, the night from the day. Three full days into, into this creation narrative. Now, there are a number of ways that different scholars from different traditions have, have made sense of these things in their own way. Unfortunately, I can't unpack all of those for us today. But what I want you to see at the very least is that there is something more going on here in day one of this creation story than God simply creating the physical reality of light. If that's all there was, if this was just meant to be a play-by-play report, then there is some sort of a glaring uh, discrepancy, inconsistency here, right? Because you cannot have days filled with light and nights filled with darkness unless you have the sun. Now, some people, especially modern skeptics, have seen this as evidence. Well, hey, the entire Bible's based on these kind of antiquated ideas, and so we should just throw the whole thing out, they would say, almost as if to say, oh, aha, we've kind of caught the author of Genesis in a lie here. Look at that. Uh, and so this whole book should just be considered unreliable. But I want to suggest something that's kind of radical. It's really not. But I think ancient people, including the author of Genesis, did know that daylight came from the sun. I think they knew that. Um, it's not hard to see, right, when that big, light, hot ball of light kind of dips beneath the trees and all that, it gets dark out, right? You don't have to be a modern intellectual to understand that, to make sense of that. So, so I don't think this is just a lapse of judgment on the part of the author of Genesis. I don't think that he would be shocked or, or ashamed even to learn that daylight comes from the sun, buddy, I'm sorry. I think it's safe to say here in day one of creation, at least, we are not just reading about the physical reality of light. As if God is simply saying, let there be ultraviolet rays that are detectable to the human eye. I think he is saying and talking about light in a more ancient and a more spiritual way. Frankly, much like John does throughout his gospel. So if we just keep reading in John's gospel in chapter 319, speaking of Jesus, John will say this. It's on the screen behind me. He will say, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. I want you to notice the spiritual quality of this light. Uh, night and day may be a picture of this kind of light may help us to understand this kind of light, but this is about much more than just darkness and light. This, is, this kind of light is about good, even, and evil. It will continue here. He says next, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light 
and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out. How? In God. I want you to notice, this kind of light has a way of sort of revealing the true spiritual nature of a thing. The true spiritual nature of our life. In the light, we can clearly see the difference between good and evil, which is not as easy to do in the dark. It's very hard even sometimes to tell the difference. Now, with all of that in mind, later in chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus will go on to say this. He will say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he says he will have the light of life. The light of life. I want you to notice that throughout Scripture, really, uh, there tends to be this connection between light and life. And, and for us, again, as modern people, it might not be entirely evident why that is. But again, I think this would make much more sense to ancient people who lived without electricity. Uh, because as a general rule, in those days, where they saw light, there was also life. I want you to imagine trying to be totally removed from modern civilization and electricity. Imagine you're hiking deep in the wilderness of a national forest where there is no electricity or people even for miles and miles and miles. And then sort of far off in the distance, in a valley, you see a glimmer of light. Right? Almost certainly, without fail, what you would think is there's someone there. There is life down there in that valley. See, from the perspective of an ancient person, the only light that just happened was the light out there, the light of the cosmos. that kept coming every day and every night. It was the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so by looking up, any ancient person could see and likely often thought, well, look, there's something out there. And, and I don't know what it may be. It, it, it is far beyond me but at least from my own experience, where there is light, there is also life. This has to shape our understanding of light in the Old Testament. One scholar puts it this way. Throughout the entire Old Testament, he says, Hebrew thought uses light as a symbol of divine presence and salvation. In other words, where we see light, we see a symbol or a sign of God's heavenly life here in our world. And this may be why um, God addressed Moses through the flames of a burning bush, for example. Maybe why he led Israel through the wilderness with, as a bright pillar of fire. It may be why he appeared, the Spirit appeared at Pentecost as tongues of fire. We see this theme all the way throughout the scriptures, but our passage here is making a specific claim about the light of God's presence. John is claiming here <laughs> that this human life of Jesus is now the true light of God's presence. We have a better sign. We have a more true and full and complete sign. He's saying that this God, who we've always wondered about as we looked at the cosmos, this God who created life itself, this God who has life itself in himself, this God who has breathed life into that very first man, that God has now begun a human life himself. God's divine life has broken into our world like a radiant beam of light in the darkness and like a dark room that is quickly filled with light, 
This life, this child changes everything. It will never be the same for our world. And so next, just briefly, I want to consider three applications of this, right? What does it actually mean, again, that Christ's life is the light of ours? I want to share three things. Uh, Here they are. The first one it means is this, that by his life, we can see. By the life of Jesus, we can truly see. Now that Christ is born, we no longer have to wonder, what is this God really like? We no longer have to wonder, what would it be like for me to be more like him? We can simply look to Jesus, and by his life, we can see, oh, that's what this God is like. And that is what it means for me to be like him. And this has a way, if you know, of sort of opening our eyes to the true meaning and the true significance of life, which can be very hard to see in the dark. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything. This is what it means, that by Christ's life, we can see, I think it's at least part of what John is getting at here. This means it is only by the light of this human life that we can truly see and make sense of ours. And so maybe you've been struggling even for a long time to make sense of your life. Uh, Maybe you have felt dark and hopeless in your life. You struggle to find the meaning of it all, and, you, and you've tried everything there is. You've read all of the best-selling books on the topic. You've improved the diet. You've tried the hobbies. You have new friends that are more encouraging. You've ended some toxic relationships. You've tried it all, but there's nothing that seems to kind of click the lights on, if you will, for you. You still are struggling to see and to make sense of your life. Well, here is John's encouragement to you today, this Christmas. It's that this human life that was born in that stable is the key to seeing your life for what it truly is. If we don't have a clear vision of this Christ revealed in scriptures, we will never have a clear vision of who we are as people. Either it will always be distorted, it will always be tainted by the darkness. Now, this can be really hard. It's because it's not always pretty to see what we see when the light comes on in in our life. As John says, people love the darkness instead of the light. But what I want us to see here at least is that if we really want to see and to understand who we are, we can only do that by the light of Christ's life. The next thing this means, this phrase, number two, is that by his life, we can live. By his life, We can live. It's really hard to live without light, if you have ever tried that. Uh, Light enables us to do basically everything in life. In the light, uh, we can see that mold on that piece of bread we're about to eat. Uh, In the light, we can see that huge cliff and and avoid falling off of it. In the the light, we can tell if it's uh, our loved one in our living room or an invader in our living room. In so many ways, light is essential for life. And in the same way, seeing Christ for who he really is is essential for us even to live as spiritual people. When our life intersects with his life, it's as if all of a sudden the lights click on and we can really live because we don't have to keep making everything about us when we've seen who Jesus really is. 
We don't have to use other people for our own gain. We don't have to lie to get ahead. We don't have to fear the future or even fear death. We can live with a contentment, even when we suffer, even when we want, because his eternal resurrected life has now become the source of ours. As Paul says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our, our life, church, as Christians, is, is over. And now we live by this life, by the light of Christ. And so, just consider this holiday season. Would you be satisfied with your life? Uh, if you had all the money, all the free time, all the good food and fulfilling relationships you could ever imagine, would you be satisfied with your life if you had all of those things but did not have Christ? Would that life be enough for you? Especially Christmas time, church, we need to remember Jesus' words in Matthew 10. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life, for my sake, Jesus says, we'll find it. It is only by the light of his life that we can truly live full and spiritual lives. And final, finally, the last thing this means is that by his life, we will overcome. By his life, we will overcome. If you have First John open, just look with me at the next verse. After, after verse 4, in verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. As, as much hope as there is for us in these incredible truths of the light of God's life, uh, the truth is, at least for now, we do live in a dark world. Uh, we live in a world where politics can divide a family, set them against each other as grave enemies. Uh, we live in a world where the, the loving spiritual union of, of marriage can be broken by lies and by infidelity. Uh, we live in a world where children even can sometimes get sick and die long before it seems they should. On top of all that, then, our hearts are even marked by a kind of darkness, the darkness of pride, the darkness of greed, the darkness of envy. And too often in the midst of all this darkness, it's really hard to see the light of God's presence. It can be tempting to wonder, how is this all going to work out? Where is my life heading here but look with me again at that verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Church, the day that Christ was born, his divine life shone forth in this world like a bright light from heaven, and the darkness has not overcome it. It never will. In the life, death, and resurrection of this Jesus, his eternal reign even now, we can be sure that as dark as this world may get, that darkness will never overcome those of us who are in Christ. As John, the author of this gospel, will say in his letter uh, in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, for the Christian, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. As Christ himself even will reassure us later in John's gospel, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. It is only by the light of his life that we can overcome the darkness, both in ourselves and in the world.
But church, this is why Christmas is so worth celebrating. Christmas is worth celebrating because in this child is God's very own life. And that divine life is the light of our life. By it, we can see clearly. By it, we can live fully. And by it, we will overcome. Praise God. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him from heaven to shine the light of your presence here on earth. We thank you for the eternal spiritual life that we have found in in your light, God, your son who has come here to be your presence with us and by faith, God, even in us. We thank you. We praise you for the wonder of Christmas. Help us to celebrate in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.